This is a podcast. We talk about running. We talk about other things too. So please come and join us. We hope you enjoy this. This is on the back foot. Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Back Foot with me, Alistair Wood. Joining me today, we have Jamie Rutherford. Hello. And Charlie Baker. Hello. See, obviously, normally we'd have Bart Shaw with us, but unfortunately, he's not with us tonight. Um, I can't remember what his excuse was. Anyone remember what his excuse was? He got to Anglesey or something. He's, he's busy. He's busy. Okay, busy. He, he, he went busy. He's got a busy week. And we're all, well, yeah, well, I was going to say, I'm never really busy, to be fair. Never too busy to get on Zoom and chat about running and early morning poos. <laughs> how, how, how are we all doing? How's everyone's uh, weeks been? Well, running-wise, restful. Restful? Yeah, no runs. No runs. Mine's been restful as well, but for no reason apart from just I've not been for any... Actually, no, I have been for a run. I went for a run yesterday. No, no, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Your, your reason for not running is purely because you've been doing a running of the entirely different type, haven't you? Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, this is, yeah. V runs. V, yeah, V runs. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Jamie. Um, well, let me... well, we'll start as we mean to go on with, with talk of poo. Um, so, at the weekend, as I'm sure Jamie's alluding to, I, I should have been donning the, the green or the emerald of, of Totley. Um, and uh, it is green um, at the weekend, but I had to pull out... Um, as my um, intestines, um, particularly my large intestine, wasn't doing very well um, for the last sort of 10 days or so. Um, so there was, there was lots of running, but it was to and from the toilet, unfortunately. So I was supposed to be racing in the Sheffield way, really, at the weekend, but I had to unfortunately pull out. Ironically, actually, um, I did go for food at Bart's house last Tuesday, um, uh, which, which, which coincided with the, the beginnings of my bowel problems. Um, but having said that, Rach... Um, his other half actually cooked, and I think the, the the demise had happened before I'd eaten their lovely lasagna. So, um, Rach, if you are listening, it wasn't your food. Don't worry. Um, but it does mean that the last week or so, I've done zero exercise um, for fear of, um, yeah, something going wrong. Basically, for, for the listeners out there, Sheffield Way Relay is a really good, uh, you know, local to Sheffield race that um, normally takes place. On, on a Sunday morning towards the end of September uh, and it's a big it's essentially it's a lap of the city I think following the Sheffield city boundary um, split into five legs and you do it as a, a pair per leg and it's normally a race and they've the organiser Andy Green's made a really good effort this year of getting the event to actually go ahead um, in light of kind of the, the coronavirus restrictions and so it's been split over five weekends um, and one pair per leg and it's, it's a really cool race and a yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that you had to miss it, um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully back to running soon. I. <laughs> well, I, I was out. Yeah, yeah, running of the good kind. I, I went for a run yesterday, and it was okay. So um, I'm back to it. But I, yeah, I'm absolutely gutted I missed out on that event because it is it's something a bit different as well. You know, there's obviously a lot of club races out there, be it fell races, cross country, road races, and stuff. But I say that, like you say, that Sheffield Way relay is is really good fun, and it's the fact that on a normal year you quite literally run with a bat on, which I don't think any of us have probably done since year 10 at school. Um, so the, for the prospect of me, I remember when I first did it at the age of 28, the prospect of running with a little plastic bat on was, was quite fun to be fair. You, I guess you're only following suit because what, what listeners might not know is that Ali and I are both uh, team captains at Tottenham and I, I'd taken on the role of organising the, the teams this year and we've had some, had some really good athletes sign up, including Ali, including Bart, and including Charlie, who all offered their <laughs> services. And, you know, I think it was going to make, uh, you know, going to be really good, had some really good representation. And then Ali, and then Bart, and then Charlie, had all pulled out at various points, leaving, leaving the team in the lurch. But thankfully, we've had much more help from some other kind runners who have stepped in to take their places. So... Oh, quite. The thing is, Jamie, I'm just doing it for you because obviously I'd say I've been captain for I've been captain for two years, and and previous to yourself, Bart was captain as well. And you know, this year you've not really had much to do realistically because everything's been cancelled. And I just wanted you to get a real feel for being a club captain. I'm sure if there's any captains <laughs> listening from around the nation, there's nothing better than a last minute WhatsApp message the night before a race saying, saying I can't race, yourself. or or do I need to bring pins? Do I need safety pins? <laughs> you, you, th- you three have been conspiring against me to 
to a concocted baptism of fire, just pulling out. <laughs> exactly. I just want you to get a true representation of the role. You know, I, I think you've had it. You've had nine months of essentially twiddling your thumbs. So, and the fact that he would feign uh, diarrhea and then come on to a podcast and you know even throw lasagna up as a possible cause, just just as part of this long-winded trick to uh, make you feel like a real captain. It's uh, it's next level, that Ali. I'm I'm impressed. It's what I do. It's what I do. I'm glad. I'm glad to see that you're looking and sounding a bit better, Ali, and you've re- you've recovered from your. Uh, I've, I've, I've even I've even got a glass of whiskey, which I would not have dared to do last week. Put it that way. <laughs> it's an affliction that affects all runners, and I think that's. I think it's one we we can. Everyone that's listening to this will have at some point been able to. Uh, yeah, been through that experience. I yeah, most definitely. Happens to the best of us. How's uh, how's your running been anyway this week, Jamie? You've been up to much, or you've been busy with work, or. I've I've not actually well this week I've done the most running I've done in a couple of weeks because I'd actually um I'd been I've been injured uh for about yeah two two and a bit weeks now uh, after falling over being out for a run I was in the Lake District and I was having a really awesome run uh it was a really nice day uh I, and I just stacked it out of the blue uh tripped over uh if anyone um has run up around uh Scarfell in Scarfell Pike in the Lake District. I was uh, just coming off Ill Crag, heading towards Scarfell Pike. It's quite rocky. There isn't really a path, and I think I must have just tripped over and fell over. And um, yeah, it really, really hurt my leg. Uh, so I've had two weeks off just whilst that recovers. And yeah, it's actually really nice. It's really nice to actually go out running again today and uh, at the start of the week and just get out plodding again. And it's, my leg feels much better. Good. So there, were, well, the, big, the important thing is were there any witnesses? And was it funny? Um, there, there was a witness. There was a bloke that I'd run past earlier who was hiking, and then he, he didn't he didn't witness me falling over, but he did see me crawling, <laughs> crawling across this boulder field trying to get back to the footpath. And he came back and he was like, "Are you okay? I saw you running, and you're not anymore." <laughs> and, and actually, he's so this was how like how small a world is this? He'd um, he's been running, uh, supporting Joe Farnell. Not not supporting Joe Farnell. On the same day that I'd been running with Bart supporting Joe, he'd been doing another supporting someone else on the same day. And so we talked, we had a mutual chat, and he was like, oh, were you running with that fast guy that did the 19 hours time? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. He was like, oh, yeah, that was incredible. And he'd been, I think he'd done uh, leg two on the same day that I'd done it with Joe, but he'd just been maybe like an hour or so behind with his yeah, yeah. his runner. So, yeah, he, 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 uh, he checked to make sure I was okay. And then... Uh, I was able to hobble, hobble down to Bordeaux. Yeah, can, can I ask some more questions on the fall? Uh, fall in a few times. Yeah, go for it. Did you get up rather quickly and sort of style it out into a bit of a jog? Did you look back at whatever you tripped over? Like, what was that? Like, you know, just staring at, I don't know, a rock going on. Oh, <laughs> I know where. Uh, no. So, just lying on the floor like, oh my God, I'm broken. Yeah, pretty much. It really hurt. I felt like I felt uh, really sick. I think I'd really like landed really heavily, and I thought I might have broken my leg. And then I stood up, and I could tell that it wasn't broken. Uh, couldn't couldn't style it out because it's it's like really difficult uh, running. And I think I just kind of fallen and rolled, and I like banged everything. And so yeah, there wasn't really any option to to style it out because I just come to a dead in a stop heat with some possible bone bruising. Just like oh yeah yeah ooh. That was yeah. what I said. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then just sort of like limped off. Yeah. Oh. But which, so you, where, where did you go from there? Did you have to go down to Borrowdale, was it? Or Yeah, so I mean, I'd arranged, um, I'd, Rachel, my, my better half, had, um, had arranged kindly to come and uh, pick me up from Wasdale. And so I, I basically, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to keep going from here and do the climb up to Scarfell um, or do the descent um so i i had a second plan and decided to just go back yeah back down to s cores back down to the uh, stretcher box which is at uh, top of Stihead tarn sprinkling tarn and then just basically yeah follow the footpath back down to uh seathwaite and borrowdale and i managed to get a get a text message through to rachel and she came and picked me up in the car always Perfect. good to have your phone then isn't it on these runs yeah i mean honestly that's yeah i was i had had to put all my had all my emergency gear, put on all my emergency waterproofs and my hat, and my gloves, and uh, had a phone. So yeah, I was playing is it, it safe. I was a good boy. 
It's a shame Bart's not here, actually, because a couple of years ago I went up to Scotland and uh, went on a, what I considered to be a little out and back. I didn't do any research. I thought, I'll run up this. Oh, that track looks good in the distance. So I'll run up that in the Cairngorms. And, and then for some, I think I went over the other side of the hill and was having a lovely time and sort of singing along with my music down the hill. This is amazing. And before I know it, I've obviously sort of veered a bit left. So now my... Uh, now my bearings are completely gone. And I thought, oh, it's all right, I'll just keep turning left. And you know, if you only turn in one direction, you go in a circle, you end up back where you were. Anyway, I, I, I failed to do that. Um, I got quite lost on top of, you know, one of the, one of the Ben somethings. And uh, yeah, it's I ended one of the up ben something. in a real- <laughs> You know, Ben something, you know, that guy you were with, he was on your school bus, Ben something. <laughs> And I put a real panic and uh, ended up calling Bart. And it was a 26-mile run when it was going to be a little... Uh, it was going to be like a, a little hour and 15 minutes there and back up the hill. It turned into... Was, <laughs> was, was Bart in Scotland or you just no, decided no, to no, I, just, I, just, I wanted to phone Steve Franklin first, but I thought he would just tell me off for being such a noob. Uh, so <laughs> like, I thought... And Bart, because Bart would be sympathetic as well as uh, as helpful. So I phoned him and panicked. I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd eaten my rations of two fun-sized Snickers by this point. Uh, <laughs> I was quite wet. I was quite cold. Um, I managed to get back to my car eventually. So, I, yeah, but there was one point where I was running down a route. And if I'd followed it, it would have taken me 26 miles to Braemar, not back to my car. So it was it was quite some spectacular bad navigation and yeah it was just great it was like you know call, phone a friend in uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Bart, so it was, Bart, what what did Bart say? Considering he literally couldn't come pick you up or anything, what what were his, what were his wise words? I think he just sort of reassured me, and then I was a bit. Don't worry, Charlie. One day we'll all have a podcast together and we'll look back <laughs> on this and take the piss out of you. <laughs> and yeah, I mean. It was weird. I think by this point, I was back at like the start of a ski route or something, and I could see the lake by where I'd parked my car. Um, I just remember driving back that night and checking into a random hotel, uh, the Star Hotel, which seemed, seemed to be open, uh, and uh, the worst night's sleep, and then downstairs in the morning for a fried breakfast, and all was right in the world again. Hey, hey, mate, you know, every cloud and all that, you didn't lose your car key, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I, I'm, I'm always a bit nervy. Of, you know, I love the fell running, but I also know I, like, disaster's never far around the corner with just, like, normal life. So why put myself in extreme situations? No, this is it. And I think, I think actually, on a boring note, like, more on a serious note, is that's a kind of a good key point is I always think, especially if you're running on the fells or the hills, is pack for when things go wrong, you know. Don't pack for a 10k run on the hills where you just set your windproof. Pack for if you break both legs, um, you know, you're better off carrying it than it not happening. I guess, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And it's amazing how cold you get. Like well, I know that I've done, I've done it a few times where even we just go out for a quick run in the Peak District up to to Higgatore, which is for people not local to Sheffield, is is within, you know five miles of the city center realistically you can pretty much see the town from there and you know if you on a summer's day you can stop there for 10 minutes in the wind and you start getting cold so you know just wait until you break your ankle in the middle of the winter then things can go wrong so yeah pack your survival stuff kids there you go see we're informational as well yeah <laughs> informational is that, is that a word charlie informational <laughs> formative there you go. We'll go with that. We'll go with I'll that. I like the word informational. Informational. <laughs> so how about we dive we dive straight in with our uh, our special guest of the week. Yeah, well I'd say we've we've teased it a little bit on uh, on Instagram over the past well, I think we put a teaser out today on the day of, of recording. I think Jamie, you might have put one out a couple of weeks ago and it's probably the kind of the biggest guest we've ever had, I think. Um, yeah. So, for kind of a, for, the, for the listeners, for the listeners, you know, a, a glimpse behind the, the magician's cloth. We're recording this on Thursday the eighth. Is it the eighth of October today? It is. Yeah. Thursday the eighth of October, um, and obviously the weekend just gone um, was the Sunday the fourth, which has been a you know a, a day in a lot of 
sort of people's diaries for the past year um, after obviously coronavirus kicking off and you know a lot of the big big global races kind of being cancelled earlier on in the spring and um, so it's kind of yeah obviously one of the world's biggest marathons happened this weekend you know athletes from around the globe you know have been training for months and months and it's amazing that we've actually managed to get one of the athletes on today um, after an absolute storming performance and a, a PB at the weekend as well. So it's amazing that we've actually managed to get one of the athletes from the, the big flat runway marathon um, in York um, to actually come on to this podcast. Um, so without any further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, Charlie Baker on, onto the podcast. Charlie, how are you? Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm rather fantastic today after such an intro. How are the legs feeling? That's the first thing. How are the legs feeling? Day on day, I would say day on day a little bit better, but actually I'm always worse two days after. So the day of the marathon, I was like, oh, quads aren't too bad. The day after, mm, we're getting there. I'm sort of, I did have to jog for something at work and I did resemble more of an international power walker than a, than a jogger. And then the day after, oh, horrendous. So uh, I've been I've been holding the wall as I've been coming down the stairs, um, and now I'm just I've, I've gone up to that peak and I'm I'm on my way back down the other side. So they're loosening off. Occasionally, if I've needed to run upstairs for something like the keys, which I've forgotten or you know, regular occurrence, uh, yeah, I've been able to jog up the stairs. So really excited about that. Good, good. Well, I think obviously our listeners, I think, have lived through some of your pain over this summer of. You know, entering, I don't know how many marathons you've entered over this summer, mate, and half of them, I, you know, I didn't even think were actual races. I thought you've been, you know, you've been catfished on the internet by some <laughs> some weirdo. Oh, I'll get this bloke to enter a marathon and just come and say hello to me. So, yeah, I'll just um, turn to the field and then just me and this other guy. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was worried, you know. To be honest, even I was tempted to do it too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but I am glad you finally managed to get your marathon done, um, and you've and you've managed to get your race done. How, joking about how how have you found this summer in terms of training for something that has never been there but always been there at the same time? Like how, how's that actually been? Yeah, it's that's a really good question. Um, I think it's been it's been a, it's been an act of managing your expectations, basically. So. There have been the odd day when I've been like, oh, just can't bother with this anymore. Um, and then what's quite funny is like, you'll think, oh, can't be bothered with this anymore. And then you'll go for a run and you'll have a really good run. So there was one day down in, I was down in um, Cardiff and I really thought that the last marathon I was thinking about doing was cancelled. I went for a run and just thought, well, let's just see what's in the tank. And had a bit of a storm in 20 miler which made me think I was on course for a two hours and 50 uh, marathon this this Sunday just gone so yeah there's definitely been a bit of a like one minute you one minute you're all set for a race and I've got a friend who uh, a little shout out to Dave Archer who does uh, very kindly does me schedules he's he's a little a little oracle to me of uh, what what makes you faster but he puts together some sessions um and he puts together what, what he wants from my long runs. And then I fill in the rest of it with fitting the running in. So you've got these little written up schedules that I've been, you know, doing my real best to to stick to. And I, I think he said to me, you know, good advice was to try and, if you're training for a marathon, try and stay in with the long run, you know, because if, if, if life starts getting in the way of training, stick with the long run. Then if, if, if you're managing to stick the long run and keep that going, keep the session going, and then if you're keeping those two going, then keep keep the mileage up. But, you know, if in reverse order, you're struggling to fit the training in, don't worry so much about the mileage. Don't worry so much about the session. Really keep that long run going. So it's been one of those things I've been like, yeah, I've kept the long runs. So I've kept them up. I've kept the kept the sessions up when I can around all. Because COVID's brought challenges with my, with my work. Mm. Um, and I think it's brought challenges with everyone's lives around there. So... Yeah, I think like the actual practicalities of training during the pandemic and then the goalpost constantly moving. Uh, it has definitely been challenging, but at the same time, it's almost been a blessing that I've had a focus for such a long time because it's just kept me getting out the door and I've definitely built some fitness um, if I haven't quite got the result I wanted to on Sunday. 
Well, you say you didn't get the result you wanted to, but I, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You still got a PB, which I know not all PBs are equal, but a PB is yeah. a PB. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And considering the year you've had, you know, I, well, I say talking about your training and you've kind of had to hold those long runs going is, I guess, you know, normally, you know, I suppose you kind of have a, f- a full periodization of peaks and troughs and you aim for that A race and then have some rest and then, mm. you know, rise again for a few months later. By the sounds of things, you've just been hovering at that, that line for a lot of the time. You know, I'm sure there's been, you know, fluctuations within week by week, but, you know, it's, it's not been ideal, has it, I, I presume? No, definitely. I think one of my things that I thought at the start of the year was would actually be, I've always been a pretty consistent trainer, but not so much of a consistent racer. So I was quite keen to race regularly and kind of get like, you know, get into a nice rhythm and get some good pre-race almost rituals, you know, work out what I like to eat on the morning of a race and like before a race, um, you know, work out how I, I race best. And yeah, I mean, I kind of went into this marathon on Sunday quite rusty because the last race I'd done would have been January. So I have to say, like, race tactics-wise, I <laughs> I said to Jamie on about lap five, just, by the way, people who don't understand how supportive Mr Rutherford is, he picked me up on Sunday morning, he drove me to York to stand there for the whole race uh, with whichever water, gel or... Um, carbohydrate drink his prima donna athlete wanted uh he would then run alongside after he passed me the drink to catch the drink so that we didn't uh litter any of the area and even at one point when he saw me at my lowest ebb the man had written me a theme tune (laughs) well i've not heard this can can we remember what this theme tune was it has some like similarities to the on the back foot theme. Yeah, uh, it's come from the same creative mind that wrote the on the back foot <laughs> uh, podcast. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's got like a little chant where I say Charlie's name over and over again. Yeah. It's that got nice. some, that, that really tickled my ego somewhat. It's got that, a little that, bit that, of, of gentle ribbing. <laughs> We we all know like your we know we all know your ego likes tickling Baker after after the uh, the Mandy Moore episode. Oh, of course, yeah. I, talking talking of Char, Charlie Chance, I I have one with with my uh, my other half Emma. Um, I don't know if if either of you have seen um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, oh yes, which yeah. I hope for your listeners have. If the listeners haven't watched Hunt for the Wilder People, watch it because it is incredible. And there's there's a <laughs> there's a young. Um, uh, Kiwi lad on it called Ricky Baker, and he sings his own theme tune, which is Ricky Baker, Ricky Baker. And whenever Charlie gets mentioned in my house, either of us goes Charlie Baker, Charlie Baker, <laughs> every time. Oh, it's got yeah, it's got that kind of feel going on, definitely. <laughs> actually, Jamie, I, I um, one of my friends who actually lives in Australia, who's not a runner at all, actually, and he, he listened to the podcast more out of me asking him to rather than him choosing to. Um, to boost the numbers. Well, this is exactly <laughs> it. We're going to go global, mate. Um, but his his um, his biggest response to the whole thing was, I love the theme tune, It Sounds Like Phoenix Nights, which... Oh, da-da-da-da-da! Yeah, exactly. I thought that is the biggest compliment in the world of, you know, of, of great hits like "Come Get Your Black Bin Bags" and various others from that <laughs> from that program. I thought that was a great, yeah, great honour from him to say that. Well, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I thought I thought Charlie responds well to 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 ego massaging. So why not write him a theme tune to drop it when he's at his lowest ebb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ch- Charlie, idea. Charlie, for the people that uh, might not have seen um, our Instagram story, which was running at the weekend about the marathon. Could you give us a quick uh, recap of what the actual event was? I know Ali mentioned it. It was on a runway. You know, tell tell the listeners what you actually had to do because it wasn't just your standard one big lap kind of marathon, was it? No, no. Um, So it was was it was a novel event, wasn't it, Jamie? Um, It was was definitely different. There were I don't know if there was a 5k going off that day as well there was a seven page document that was emailed to me uh, a few days before the race um <laughs> what was it what's it charlie <laughs> that i've neglected to cast my eye over 
but as Jamie was asking me what, what time does the race start and all those kind of like meaningless questions, uh, <laughs> we decided to look through my Yahoo inbox and found it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we, we started at an airfield. Uh, the marathon runners were the first to walk around to their pen. Um, that was strange. That was like, we just, because... Because where the cars were parked was obviously the, the opposite side of where the race started. Um, and then just before we started, I nervously thought, well, oh, probably should have a wee because we're about to go into three hours of running. And, you know, you just got that feeling like, oh, there might still be a bit in that bladder. I'll, I'll empty that. So I'm, I'm just having a wee and the first wave went. So you were lined up in, in groups of eight. And I'd seen by looking at the... Uh, there was on the website there was a list of the entrants I was written down as number 45 so they're groups at eight so I'm having a wee and the first eight go off so I start doing some mental arithmetic I'm thinking eight 16 34 right okay 42 and 40, yeah, 45 so yeah so I've gone and jumped in I think the third group so I've already put myself <laughs> way ahead uh, than I needed to um, which then we went off, we went off together, uh, groups of eight, and we basically ran about 50 metres before turning into what was a pure, a pure circuit. So it was, uh, it was just straight down past the water stations where Jamie was ready, to the end, round the bend, and back down into a headwind. Uh, it was a 2.6 mile loop, 10 times, um, and then on the last lap, you just went on for another 20 odd meters uh, into the finish line. So You're just doing laps of the runway really, weren't you? You know, yeah. this is, this is an airfield that yeah. you know, has had military service in the past. It's still used. I think it's a private runway. So they've just got a really long runway and they were like, <laughs> I know let's do a race where we can keep everyone spread out. We'll stick them on an airfield and then we'll just make the people run laps around the bottom end of the runway. And it, I mean, from a spectator's point of view, it looked flat and boring charlie would you say yeah. that's an accurate summary massively like uh, as a mental as a mental game uh, i read a uh, darren Anthin um has done a really nice book on the rise of the ultra runners and he talks about the transcendent 24-hour track race down in tooting or somewhere and um yeah it sort of started to remind me of that i was just like i'm i'm just literally running around in circles for three hours and like this is mentally a game. And unfortunately I got picked up on the first lap by a bit of a train and you could hear them like coming back. And there was sort of five lads going out at a really decent pace at so about six minute miling. And I thought it's faster than I'd like to go. But at the same time, I'm currently running by myself. And if I'm going to run around this for three hours into a headwind, it might be quite nice to actually run with some people and you never know by a bit of shielding I might you know might sneak my way to an absolute surprise you know massive PB. Um, Should you be staying here for two weeks if you're doing shielding? Ah, <laughs> satire. <laughs> uh, and then I was a little bit uncomfortable with the pace not like horrendously you know I could have easily done a half marathon at that but I was just like, in the back of my mind, is this going to work for, for a whole marathon for me? Are you going to start to tire? And in the car there, Jamie had said, run the first 10 miles with your head, which I wasn't doing, and run the second 10 miles with your legs because of your training, and run the final 10K with your heart because it's six miles to the end from there. And I was doing some sort of like work out what am I doing? And I was like, you're totally running this with your like emotions with no balls <laughs> sorry jamie yeah you, you beat me to it i wasn't gonna make it sorted but you were thinking with your balls <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah and just like why was i running a gutsy race in a half marathon on a on the race course which was totally uninspiring and i was just like well you know you've had a bit of a tough time at work and like it's been you've been a hectic few to like build up to it for you uh, nothing's been going your way lately yeah, just throw it all at it. So I'd, I'd gone, decided that I wasn't going to just listen to Jamie's sensible advice. Jamie, who normally never gives sensible advice. Jamie normally says, 
go for it. Go hard. He normally hard. says, think with your balls. That, that, that yeah. is a well-known Rutherford saying. He says it to me all the time. He's been saying, Chaz, play it sensible. You know, go out, go out steady and uh, build, build as you go. And we both theoretically a negative split is what you'd search for. Yeah, so, so just run the first mile 30 seconds under pace. You know? <laughs> like, why not? And, and I, I really believed in it. And I really believed that I was just going to... I mean, I, I did let that, that group go. But I really believed, yeah, do you know what? Today, I'm just going to, like, all guts, just like all guts for the glory sort of thing. And unfortunately, I did then start having stomach issues. Um, I wasn't, I just didn't seem to be... You didn't pull out though, Ali. Didn't pull out. (laughs) (laughs) We've been through this, Jamie. I didn't even have stomach issues. (laughs) I I had a carbohydrate drink, which maybe I don't know if I'd overcarbed. I just couldn't seem to stomach that very well. The gels that I had were actually okay. They seemed to be lifting me a little bit. But for the whole time, I was just on the edge of like a stomach discomfort. Um, and then as the race progressed, that got worse to the point that I was actually, I could have been seen to be walking with my hand in my mouth because I thought if I just make myself throw up, this will go away. So I was just like, hand just going into my mouth, just about to make myself be sick. Didn't really happen. And then my mate Dave was like, run! Because <laughs> he was me walking. And I was like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Snap out of it, Chaz. You've gone into some dark place where you're making yourself throw up in an airfield. Uh, <laughs> so I started running again. Uh, uh, yeah, so like I say, it was the, the first half of the race went, went reasonably well if, uh, you know, I, I was running. Um, never felt particularly comfortable. And then towards the second half, I could see... Well, I could just—I started getting cramp in my quads. Uh, I even got cramp in my left arm on the left on the last lap, and I could just see the, the the time gradually slipping away. But also in the back of my mind was, I'm that far ahead of three hours here, and my PB was two hours fifty nine fifty seven. I could actually end up getting a PB by just just sticking with this. So I just gradually just slowed and slowed, and it wasn't a deliberate slowing. It just seemed to be happening that way. Um, until at the end, I was sort of running with one arm like by my side because I couldn't even bend my elbow because of cramp. I wasn't lifting my knees, was I, Jamie? I was just sort of like, just, just like, like a shot man just, just trying to motor his way to the end of the line. And when I got you, see, like, arm, you know when you watch zombie films <laughs> and you see like the, the head zombie? <laughs> that really was me. I'd gone into such a bad place. I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to get over that line. And then this whole marathon debacle of 2020 is all over. And, you can just... and I'll never have to relive this memory again. Yeah. <laughs> we can forget about it. <laughs> well, the thing is, as, as much as I, I say I, I wasn't there because I don't like Charlie that much. So I wasn't going to go and <laughs> stand in an airfield for three hours. Um, but my, uh, obviously, I, I was reliving it through um, Jamie's excellent Instagram storying on the on the back foot um, Instagram page. But I must say, the I don't know if this is as, as a marker of how um, bleak the setting was for the race or how brilliant this bit of clip was. That, but the, the best bit of content that was put out there was oh. a what I can only describe as a um, you've been framed esque video shot of the uh, the race organizers gazebo. Floating off, <laughs> floating off down the airfield in the wind, which is just one of the greatest sights ever. I don't think I'll, I'll never find that unfunny. It was, it was really funny because, like, so yeah, I, I was stood, uh, standing, holding, holding drinks, uh, maybe at, at the kind of the start of the lap, um, and it, you know, it was quite pleasant. It was quite warm. There was no wind or anything like that, and there were other other supporters, uh, you know, standing in the same area. And every lap, runners would come back around and we'd all be like, yeah, come on, you can do it. And like, oh my God, it's so windy, it's so windy. Like the back straight's horrible. And you'd see people looking at each other going, oh, they're just moaning, they're just moaning. It's, it's fine, look. And then, and then eventually this guy nudges me and goes, oh, it must be quite windy. Look at that gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> you could just see it cartwheeling off into the distance. I was like, oh, crikey, yeah, it is windy. The other thing which was bizarre, because I don't normally sweat too much when I run, was that... It was like it was like being a. It wasn't that hot, but I wouldn't say it's like being in a furnace. I'm dramatising it for the listeners now. It was just really warm and muggy when you're on the like outlap. So you you'd sort of get like hot and uncomfortable and sweaty, 
and then you turn into a headwind and get cold and, and blown backwards. And it was just like, and then they released the 10K and the half marathon runners onto the track. And then it became like weaving through all of them. And there was a guy running a 10K who, <laughs> he must have thought I was in his race because he, uh, he, he, you know, he, he pulled out, I went past him and then he was like, oh, I'm taking this guy on. So he then overtook me. I thought, oh, I could draft him. This would be nice. This would be a little bonus from them. And then next minute he was going slower again. So I had to overtake him. I was just like, this is not what you need. My focus, my focus isn't always the best on a daily basis. So to have masses of distractions in the marathon, it's just, it's just another Charlie Baker excuses list. <laughs> well, well talk, talking of excuses and wind and it being too, too hot and then too cold is, I'm just looking at the results of the race, actually. And the guy that won, yeah, Mr. Michael Wright from Central. Central, yeah. Central, Central, Central what? Do we know? Central where? Central <laughs> AC. I think someone said it was a, a Scottish club. I mean, forgive me uh, if you're listening and you run for Central AC and I've massively... Uh, misgeographized you and uh but yeah no i think it was scottish but yeah central anyway so he did a 225 marathon on that course which is a (laughs) blisteringly fast time regardless of where it's done but you know you know given what charlie's been saying anyone under five hours has done well according to charlie considering how horrendous it was so (laughs) but genuinely michael wright wherever you are and also scott harrington who broke the 230 barrier as well like fair play boys that's they were they were really motoring on it was it was really interesting to what to watch and i think um i think that was a really good like aspect of it being like a multi-lap race and you could you could keep tabs on how the race was going and how runners were faring quite quickly because you know two 2.6 miles you may be looking at 15 18 minutes a lap depending on you know what pace the people are doing and those two lead guys were just absolutely pumping along and you know they were obviously really super strong and um just heads down they were it's they were shorter than Charlie. And so like their cadence was like really quick and they looked like they were sprinting. Whereas I guess Charlie much taller running a bit slower, you know, your cadence was, you could, it's like from a sports physiology point of view, really interesting just to see how everyone, like how everyone runs a marathon different, differently, literally that how the running styles change. And for some people, you know, some people looked like they were running, terribly inefficiently but were absolutely like smashing it and yeah it was um it's really interesting that's actually interesting you say that actually because i think there was there was another um i think local marathon on down south at the weekend um in london um i think it was on telly actually weirdly i don't know how they managed to get that one on telly what was it called i think they called it the london marathon which seems a bit you know you know blowing smoke up their own you know, but anyway, there was there was a race on in London apparently. Mm. But as you're talking of kind of running economy and and different styles and stuff, actually, I was watching the men's and the women's. And if you look at the last two k alone of the men's and women's, where there was basically both sprint finishers in both races, yeah, the difference in how people running those those four athletes looked completely different. And athletes that you'd look at and you know you might necessarily if you're a you know beginner running you know I, I know I was and um, still am to some some respect is you you look for the kind of the, the way to run what technique you want and all the rest of it you go on forums and read magazines and you look at some of these pro athletes and you're like oh god they look they look horrendous at the end of the day like that's not right and they are absolutely motoring and you can have so many athletes with yeah complete different cadences or foot plant technique or arm swings the rest of it and yeah ironically like especially in the in the men's race um you know some of the athletes that necessarily went during the you know the main bulk of the race looked as though they were about to to keel over and die were the ones that actually cracked on and and finished so it was pretty crazy yeah i think you know i think it's worth saying um well done to the organizers for for getting the race to go ahead um because i think obviously there's been a lot of races uh which have been cancelled and then there's been some races which have been rescheduled or you know other races charlie charlie referenced the wrexham elite marathon which was he was meant to be doing yeah there's been some races which have been created and then have been cancelled and i think for the race organizers to be able to put on an event which was you know like a really decent marathon 
it was in, in, yeah. in and of itself like a really cool event and also organize it in such a way that it was covid secure and even you know in current current weeks obviously it's been getting cases have been going up again you know they they still took some decisive action quite close to the to the date and made some changes for the event still to be able to go ahead and i think you know they've put on a race which has allowed people to go out put their training to good use run run pbs you know it's a yeah. it's a pb course yeah. for many people um and it's it's gone ahead without you know without a hitch i didn't see any issues on the yeah. day people yeah. people yeah. really happy people just people grateful to have the opportunity to go and do something so i'd say you know well done to the organizers for for doing such a really good event and i'd i'd go you know i'd go back and run that again as a marathon i know it was kind of difficult for you charlie and i know you like found it hard but i think i think it's a cool marathon to do and i'd encourage people to to think about it if they see it coming up again uh in in you know future iterations of it yeah, yeah. Here, here mate like i say look luckily with the, the line of work i'm in i'm kind of in contact with a lot of race organizers all the time and i know it's been really tough on them um you know we've all had a tough year in terms of work and stuff but you know there's some race organizers out there that do do full series and that's their income for the year and that's how they support their families and all the rest of it and they've, they've all been cancelled so um you know to the race organizers out there yeah fair play if you're getting anything on and uh, hopefully we can all, all get back out racing properly again sooner rather than later and thank you for giving us the opportunity to finally um hear the back of charlie talking about marathons because oh. God, if he'd had to do another one, we'd have been, we'd never heard the end of it. Yeah, well, seriously, seriously, listeners, this, this podcast. Here, if anyone knows Martin Brown or Mark Hetherington, who are the uh, race organisers of Big Black Runway Races, yeah, thank you. They did, they really did great to put that on. They put out some very uh, informational emails as well uh, that, that were ignored by some runners. And they, uh, yeah, they, you know, they really, they really did crack it. And yeah, just because I had a bad race, I don't, that necessarily means it was a bad race you know i don't want hey that. charlie you, you had a you I'm, had a good I'm race mate you had a good race well well on that actually we did put a little bit of a um a thing out on instagram um oh, in the yeah. lead up to charlie's big big outing and asking people for their predictions of charlie's time um now obviously charlie you did get a pb your previous pb was what 259 57 was it yeah yeah and what did you do at the weekend that's a good question. I've got it in front of me, Charlie. I was just asking you for a fact. You did two fifty-eight fifty-two. <laughs> Which so we, we had, yeah, we had we had some we had some some entries, um, but in yeah in standard competition form, the person who got the time closest to Charlie's time uh, wins wins a prize, and so the winner of our competition today is Mike Mike underscore W U eight. Oh, Who's Mike guessed? Wu! Yay! I know Mike Wu. Oh, what a guy. Mike Wu. Do you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. So Mike Mike's Mike. parents Mike's parents own the Chinese restaurant next to the shop. Oh, my old shop. Yeah, yeah. Mike's a legend. He runs for, I think he's at Sheffield. Sheffield AC, I think. Okay, well, Mike got it, and he guessed 255.38. So oh. pretty much, you know, pretty much Bob on. That, that's pretty close for a marathon time. So, yeah. Mike, well done. You're going to win a prize. Charlie's going to sign a photo of himself, and um, I've got I've got Charlie's buff that he wore, so we'll send you Charlie's buff. Can we disinfect it first? <laughs> we'll we'll sort you out, Mike. I don't good, I don't want to job. ask what you're doing with that buff now, Jamie. Why have you got it? <laughs> Charlie threw it at me. It, it was kind of like you know in um in a Tom Jones concert when you've got ladies that take their pants <laughs> off. <laughs> oh. Hey Jamie, a, a great bit of the day. Unfortunately, you you rude a uh, excellent moment potentially for Instagram that you you never you never caught. Maybe you could share about before the race. Oh yeah, so I mean, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a race involving Charlie Baker without <laughs> potentially <laughs> potentially fucking everything up. So as Charlie's as Charlie's mentioned, you know there was plenty of race information out there clearly stating start times and when you'd need to be in the COVID secure waiting area and everything like that. So, you know, uh, I anticipated that Charlie might have read that information. I probably could have read the information, but yeah, I didn't. And so we're, we're standing there and Charlie's like, you know, I'm probably going to go and do my warm up and, um, you know, get ready, go do some strides and stuff. This is, you know, I think on Charlie's estimation, maybe half an hour or so before he needs to be in the, in the starting pen. 
so cool. And yeah, they've got at this airfield, they've got a huge kind of concrete uh, apron, which is, I guess, where the airplanes would normally be waiting uh, if it was functional. So Charlie just runs off into the distance to the furthest edges of this concrete apron towards some trees. I guess he's maybe wanting to go for another pre-race wee or something like that. And I just kind of go back to the car, just waiting. And I'm walking back to the car and um, I hear a Tano announcement. This is the last call for all marathon runners to assemble for the start line. Final call. If you're not here, uh, the, the world will end and you will not be able to run the marathon. And I'm like, fuck like charlie's charlie's run off ah. to go and do you know his warm-up and i can already see him like miles away in the distance and he's got his headphones in so he can't hear any of this so i start running towards him screaming like charlie charlie mate you've got to come back he's got his headphones in he keeps running off and in fact like, i catch up to him <laughs> charlie's having a wee and i'm like how do i how do i warn him from behind when he can't hear me coming that he needs to like <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was like, do I, do I get my phone out and film this for the story and potentially have Charlie miss the start of this marathon? Uh, but you'll be, you'll be pleased to know that I did the right thing and I got his attention and we got him back to the start line. And yeah, that was a very short one, wasn't it, Charlie? Yeah. <laughs> it, it really could have been like, <laughs> it could have been that you didn't do the race. It was <laughs> Charlie ran back to the car. Pulled his trousers off, put his vest on, and st- started the marathon. Essentially, yeah. Uh, well. Oh dear. that reminds me. I say we. Oh, I would like to get him on as a guest at some point. But um, Lee Kemp, who we all know through Totley, and I think I think some of you may know well know him. Um, listening, that you know, he's a, he's a very good ultra runner. He's got a million and one of those stories. Um, he won the Highland Fling after having spent the first five minutes of the race in the Portaloo and missed the, the start of Claxon. Um, mm. So he came out the portal and the race had already started, and he still managed to win. Um, he there was one way he was doing a half marathon down south, and he was returning champion after he'd broken the course record and got lost on the warm up, and they had introduced him onto the stage, um, and welcome Lee Kemp, and he wasn't there, so, so they had to send a search party, and they delayed the start of the race by half an hour to go and try and find him. I think he was in Woking or somewhere. He just got lost. So um, you, you're not the worst, Charlie. Put it that way. <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's time that we draw our interview to a close. Um, so thanks, yeah, thanks, Charlie, for agreeing to come on and, and sharing some insight with us. It's been fascinating to get an insight into the mind of an elite runner and, uh, you know, the best way to approach a marathon. And I'm sure our listeners are going to have taken lots, lots from this in how not, not to run a marathon. <laughs> yeah, the last thing that probably should get a mention was... Um, I did have quite a stressful couple of days leading up to it. And one of the things that didn't do very well was, so let's say you should, you should have like a pre-race meal that you're familiar with. Um, Friday night, my friend Steve said, do you fancy getting a curry? And I said, yes. So he said from the Mohol. So he texted me at quarter past, which was the time I was picking up the curry. And I said, ah, just sat outside the Lescar, I'll go in a minute when it's ready. So I'd gone to the uh, Mogul uh, room in Sheffield, which is a different curry house. So we were a bit delayed having that. Uh, <laughs> so I was thinking, all right, that's, that's not ideal, two days before the race, but you've been good the week before. You know, you, you, you've mostly like eaten well. Um, in the morning, the day before the race, I think I just had a simple bottle of porridge. Unfortunately, at lunch before the game, uh, the chef down at the ground uh, even really looks after his support staff and he does this nice, nice meals. Um, but he's not thinking about like uh, sports performance. So when I got to the ground after working with the injured players at the training ground, down to the ground, there was a double cheeseburger waiting for me for my lunch the day before the race. And then he had very kindly, because I'd mentioned I was running the marathon on Sunday, and he's a very nice guy, Rob Cox, uh, chef. He uh, he had actually made me some spe- you know, special a pa- like a, a pasta dish, uh, but he made me three of them. I can't remember what he said, and I think I got something like sort of like anxi- carbohydrate anxiety. I think is the best way to describe it because I just started panicking that I was going to run a marathon harder than I hopefully ever have. I better carbo load 
and I'd not done very well by having a double cheeseburger for lunch. So I had two dishes of this pasta. And then I had one of his coconut energy bars that he'd had. And then Steve had also said that he was having pancakes. Um, and I had, I, I, I can't eat like that is something that, that is possibly my best endurance sport. If I'm elite endurance at anything, it's, it's probably eating. And I decided I would also have um, one of Steve's savoury pancakes, which had like fried cabbage and cheese in it. I'd already eaten about two dinners anyway. So I woke up at three in the morning, the morning of the marathon, with a bit of stomach discomfort. I'd had a bit of a stressful day and I could not get back to sleep for the life of me. So at five, I went down and had a bath. And then at six, I drove to Jamie's. And it was, it was about the worst prep I felt I could have had for the marathon. And my head just wasn't in it when I started. So that did seem to contribute to the upset stomach. So all I would say is just like, just probably eat normally with a slightly higher percentage of carbohydrate to uh, the other foods, you know, like. Do, do what you used to doing, like and I, I yeah. know so my 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 pre-race. I never got up that stomach. I had a really bad one. <laughs> yeah, my pre-race night before is always pizza. It's not technically what you should have, but I know I can eat pizza wherever in the world. I could eat a pizza and it would be fine. You know, I've done luckily enough done some races abroad and in in Europe and stuff. And pretty much every city in Europe will have a pizza restaurant. So just go and have some pizza. I know it's going to be fine. And have a couple of beers. You know, for me, most of my long training stuff is done at the weekend and most Friday nights or Saturday nights, I have a few beers or a glass of whiskey. So, you know, my my body copes well being slightly hungover in the morning. So that was the major lesson for me. Like, you know, you can train for a whole year, but if you eat like a twat the night before you race and it wakes you up at three in the morning with stomach discomfort and then you can't, it take any water on or sports drinks on during the race and you feel uncomfortable you're gonna have a bad race so yeah. you know that 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 wise i think there's a chinese proverb is eat like a twat run like a twat <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible <laughs> yeah. i think i think we should uh yeah i think we should round off this insight and and move on to move on to more highbrow matters we um thank you but yeah, thank you for having me to share my woes. All right, all right. Stop stealing the limelight, mate. You've had your moment. <laughs> we uh, we we put we put a, a request out on um, on social media a few weeks ago. You know, to uh, to to field questions, I guess, about running, where we thought we might be able to um, answer listeners' questions, whether that's you know really technical ones or just you know people that might be getting into running and want some insight or just you know questions that we could answer and so I think it would be really nice if we could start by answering some of those so uh the first question that we've got it's a really good one it's from Stanley 2772 uh he wants to know what's the biggest dam that's been built by beavers so not necessarily the kind of question that we're looking for but we are we're here for our listeners so um, I can tell you that the biggest dam that's ever been built by beavers is located in Alberta, Canada. Um, it is approximately half a mile long and it can actually be seen from space via satellites. So nice. beaver can. No, the, what, uh, we didn't ask what's the biggest beaver. <laughs> oh, that's no. a different question altogether. Um, yeah. It remained hidden within the Alberta wilderness until 2007 when a researcher spotted it while looking at Google Earth. So there you go. Half a mile long. That's quite... Does that mean the river's half a mile wide then? Or is that a a whole different question? That's a big river. Surely... It could be like the length of a... It could be across a lake. It could be like a a, a lake tributary thing. True. Yeah, true. Um, We had another question uh, from Skip... Skip is possibly the uh, favourite dog of all podcast members. I think he's got uh, more Skip, followers than us on Instagram as well. So Quite possibly. This is, this is one which we can all answer. Skip wants to know, if you had to share a bath with one of the other On The Back Foot podcast presenters, who would it be? Oh. And, and why, I suppose. Oh. See, I'm Can't torn. Answer. Like, Charlie loves a bath. Don't you, Charlie? Like, well, you've, you've already said there, you, you had a, you know, an upset stomach the night before a race, so went for a bath at 5am. Like, I don't know many people that would have that as their natural go-to. But 
I don't know. I think I just get annoyed with you in your pants. I imagine you fidget. Do you fidget? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Not into that. I think yeah. I'd probably go with Bart. Sorry, Jamie, but I'd imagine Bart would put some like classical music on or something. Nice <laughs> atmosphere. Fair enough. Charlie, who about you? Oh, it's a tough one. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm tending to side with Jamie. Just like Bart, sort of. He, he's quite lean, and he he wouldn't take up too much room. <laughs> he, I think Bart would be that awkward that he'd just sort of be crouched at the far end and I'd be sort of laid back in the bath enjoying myself whilst Bart makes awkward conversation. I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with that. I think Jamie would, I think Jamie I would... would embrace it and would <laughs> feel awkward and Ali would, I would probably rub my leg or something that would make me jump out the bath. And... Probably. I'd probably fart and make it a jacuzzi knowing me as well. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was going to actually choose Ali for the very reasons that you weren't going to choose with Charlie. I just think... <laughs> I just think you'd be really good at doing like a massage or something in the bath. I think it would be really nice. I just think, right. I, all I all think the if, boys say it, you know. You know, I, I reckon if I had a bath with Ali, it would be a really... From really his rugby great. background, from his rugby background, he would be so comfortable there. I, yeah, I have shared many a bath, I will say that. <laughs> so that, that's a bit more insight. Last final question that we're going to go for is uh, from Tara. She wants to know, are we going to have uh, any more sock competitions again? And I suppose the answer to that is yes. But Tara, unfortunately, you didn't guess Charlie's marathon finishing time right, so you haven't won. Mike's going to get the socks instead. Yeah, Mike's got the socks. Woo! Um, but we will, we will actually. I think we should try and um, do some giveaways, even if it's not every episode. Um, try and do some more often. So watch this space. We'll, we'll come up with some more um, competitions that we can do at some point soon, hopefully. Now, obviously, you've all probably noticed that Bart hasn't been here throughout the whole episode because he is... Um, quotation marks busy um so we decided to ask if um see if you've got any questions you'd want to ask us or kind of points you wanted to put forward um so we'll we'll play that question to you now and um, we'll see what mr marathon has to say about it i don't know whether you guys have seen there's been um a couple of world records set on the track in the last few days um uh the women's 5k went down somewhere like 14 minutes, six seconds. And the men's 10K is down to like 26 minutes, something. Uh, but there's been some controversy over shoes. Uh, and as our kind of resident marathon guy makes, I wonder what your thoughts are on on the shoes and particularly thinking about the kind of, you know, what's your take on this whole shoe controversy for for marathon times where you know one or two minutes have been knocked off at the elite end of things just from wearing these new Nike shoes other brands are available obviously uh, but they don't seem to have quite the same effect um, and I know, I know you've got yourself a pair of Nikes uh, Bakes but not the full carbon plate special foam versions yeah, talk us through. What's your what are your thoughts on all that? Well, I'd probably say on the like the carbon shoe uh, debate. My my feeling has always been uh, with with me anyway has been to when I set my targets for my what I'd like to initially run, um, those shoes weren't available. So, for a personal achievement point of view. I've always thought that it would be nice to try and run the times that I want to run um, for my own like gratification without the shoes, because otherwise, if I got the PB with the shoes, it might be that that 10 seconds that I dipped under the time was due to the shoes, and I'll never know if I truly achieved it myself. However, if I was at the front end of the race and the guy next to me had a pair of shoes, which meant he was going to win and I wasn't, I can see why people would, you know, then go and get the same and, and try and level the playing field. I think the, the, the thing that you've probably seen with the 10K and the 5K um, results at the weekend, there was other things. There was someone talking about pacing and there were some lights helping them pace. Um, so technology is obviously going to alter the playing field. And unfortunately, you know, it means that, the world records, the Olympic records, with the advent of technology, will probably fall. Um, 
And some of that will be from just humans getting faster and training harder and better. And some of it will be the addition of technology. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't have too strong a feelings from it. I think it's quite a personal thing to you. If, it, if you really feel it makes watching races not as good because, you know, like you think someone's cheating by having a better pair of shoes. Um, like I say, they are available, but then at the same time, um, they're very expensive. I think for us, like amateur athletes, it's getting a little bit silly spending like 200, 300 pounds on a pair of trainers that you can wear five times. My friend uh, did wear them at the big flat marathon and his was absolutely wrecked by the end of it. Um, so he wasn't very impressed with the money he uh, paid. So yeah, it's definitely, for me, it's just a big grey area and I'm going to sit firmly on the fence like I do with any of these, uh, any of these subjects. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting debate and it, it, it almost falls into I kind of, almost a philosophical debate more, more than a kind of a sporting thing of, you know, at, at what point is it no longer sporting to do it? And I, I think a lot of sports have had this over the past 15, 20 years with, well, basically carbon fibre coming in, I know, tennis and cycling and you know, loads of sports have had this thing where actual kind of rules have been brought in to, to stop the advent of technology um, taking over from, you know, human performance. So it's, it's really quite an interesting one. And actually, there's a, um, I don't know if you boys watch TED Talks at all, um, but there's a, t- a TED Talk by David Epstein, who um, is a guy I really like. And he, he was a, a journalist in the New York Times, and he's done loads of books as well. But there's a, a, about a 10 minute TED Talk that he's put out there about records in sport and how, how that kind of falls in line with sports technology and stuff. So it's, it's worth watching. It's quite an interesting debate that I think you can be on both sides of the line quite easily. Um, I guess the thing with, with running is, within reason, it's available to everybody. I guess a lot of the, the stuff with other sports is, you know, it's unfair on certain nations, especially Olympic stuff, is it's unfair on certain nations if one nation can afford super light calm fiber rowing boats, but others can't. But I guess running shoes is a bit more, you know, anyone can run in them, especially when you get to be a pro. But then equally, like you say, if you're an amateur, then, you know, you perhaps not want to spend the money. So it's it's one of those. And then, but then having said that, I think, I think all the brands have come out and openly said that, the carbon fiber shoes, whether it's the Hoka Carbon X or the Vapor, whatever it is now is, they're not designed even for club runners. You know, they're quite open in saying they're for two or three runs and then they're knackered. So, you know, I guess they're being very transparent with it. And part of me is, you know, you know, if you're going to make the sport better, then why not introduce some technology into it? I guess is one view, I suppose. So it's, it's, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think you can you can respect what's happened in the past. So I mean, you know, like say you had this debate elsewhere. Say you said who's the best, Georgie Best or Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, just they're a totally different era. George Best was drinking around his football, and Cristiano Ronaldo sounds like he just applies all of the like most professional things he could possibly do and spends hours like making sure the follicles in his hair are in alignment as well as his abs and everything else. Whereas like, you know, it's just like at the end of the day, the difference is that the opportunities that people are having are changing those records. And I think that, you know, like, does it, does it really take anything away from that, what that person did just because their name isn't the current record holder I don't think it does. Um, I think that, you know, it's just for people to hopefully fans of the sport will look back on the greats and still see them as the greats. They're not going to go, oh, well, you know, his time got whooped now with like technological advances. Maybe he wasn't as good as we all thought he was. The talent is surely what yeah. you, you... Exactly. The, 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 that's the nice thing with records is the records will always be there. You know, yeah. your name will always be on that list. So, um, quite a you deep one, that Bart. To finish on, you've made us go all philosophical and, <laughs> um, yeah, weird. I don't like it. Just about being the best you can be in those circumstances, isn't it? And I think that's where, if, for amateur athletes, if you really want to spend three hundred pounds on a pair of shoes or last four runs, just so you can get a slightly better time to brag about, it's it's up to you and yeah. go for it. Um, but I do see how if you're at the front end of the race. And they really do make a real performance difference. How it would be horrible and frustrating, you know, if if you think, oh, I'm just getting beaten because that guy's bought those shoes. I think that's a bit, a bit naff, really. 
Yeah, I, I guess like you say, Charlie, it's, you know, most of the people that we're seeing that are doing running are, you know, uh, amateur athletes. And like you say, as long as you're happy with you, what you're doing, if you're having fun, then, that, you know, that's the most important thing. I think what, watching you and watching all the other runners at the weekend, it, it was just really nice to actually see a huge crowd of people out running again. And it sounds weird, but I've actually really missed that. And just seeing people running, seeing people struggling, seeing people getting on with it and pushing on through and, you know, ultimately achieving, achieving what they'd set out to do, whether that was just finishing the race or, or getting a small PB or getting a massive PB. It's, it's, it's really brilliant just to see people uh, getting out and running. So, yeah, whether you've got the world's most space age trainers or whether you're running in a pair of flip flops or something in between. As long as you're running, I think that's the most important thing. That's it. And I think on that note, we'll probably look at wrapping up. Um, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. Um, we've got a couple of interviews definitely lined up and some, some more in the pipeline. So keep listening out for uh, for some new episodes coming out on all, all good po- podcast providers. Um, yeah, and I think we'll probably call it there, shall we, boys? Yeah, I think that's yeah. been a good one. Thank you once again to our special guest, Charlie Baker, for, for taking the time to explain, explain to us. And, and honestly, well done, mate. You did a really good run. It was, it was really awesome to see, yeah. like I say, st- getting to the start line because it's not been easy to get to the start line and mm-hmm. for getting your head down and for getting the work done and for finishing it and for getting a PB. It's really awesome. Well done. Thank you. So once again to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Whoever you are, wherever you are, have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Goodbye. Don't want that. He's Charlie Baker. Charlie-